Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? No, no. This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. <laughs> oh! Oh, oh my gosh. <gasps> no! <laughs> no! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. Good. I'm good. <laughs> Mouthful of tea. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> Feeling refreshed, ready the for ghosty stories. Cool taste of ghost stories. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Everybody needs to have a glass of sweet tea when they're listening to this. Amen. It'll just make it better. It does. It improves sweet tea the makes quality everything better. of yeah. everything. Of all the things. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Sweet Tea. <laughs> <laughs> we need a Sweet Tea jingle. We really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, how have we not created one? I don't know. It's going to happen now. We've been drinking Sweet Tea on podcasts for a year and a half now. <laughs> wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> yep. So, hi, um, guys. Hi. Welcome to get your, Girls get and your Ghouls. Get your sweet tea at the ready. Yeah. Get your sweet tea. This is the podcast where we talk about sweet tea and girls and ghouls and all of your ghosty needs will be met. Yep. And we try to, well, we make it spooky just because the stories are spooky, but then we try to make it lighthearted with laughter. Because laughter is the best medicine for your <laughs> demons. For your demons. If you have demons plaguing you, just laugh at them. Laugh at them. It, it won't antagonize. It'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. I wonder if the girl who we read her story last week, if she would have laughed at the demon trying to pull her through the bed, if that would have made a difference. I mean, maybe if he, like, cracked her back a little bit. Like, maybe he was trying to help her. Maybe. Maybe. You know? Maybe I mean, she'd been studying. Mattress. Well, she said she'd been in a room studying for finals. She was a senior in college. So, you know, yeah. she might have been hunched over. He was like, books. fix that posture. It wasn't actually yeah. a demon. It was, like, her great-grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> Sit up straight. What are you doing? Don't hunt. That's not ladylike. <laughs> That's also something that we take seriously around here is posture and ladylikeness. Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> That's why we don't record the video part of these. <laughs> we don't want you to feel bad about how properly postured we are with our ladylikeness. Right. <laughs> If that's what you say. It's what I say. Got Daisy (laughs) snoring over here. Can you hear it? Listen. Nope. Oh, there it was. Yep. There it was. Snoring. I just assumed it was your demons. Yeah. I I hope that God, you know, when Daisy goes to be with Jesus, I hope that part of it like she'll stay and hang out with me i want to ghost daisy after daisy's gone <laughs> there you go you could just go all barbara streisand i just learned what? that barbara streisand has cloned her dog twice are you serious i didn't even know like have i been i guess i've been living under a rock because i didn't even know that was a thing i i remember them trying to clone the sheep and it didn't yeah. go well but apparently you can clone your dogs now I feel like there'd be some residual negativity. Like, I feel like if they have any bad traits, cloning them will only amplify those. Oh, God. You know? So we could never clone my dog, ever. Yeah, like, Daisy would be even smellier. Oh. And, like, droolier. 
That would be Lily. She'd be smellier, and her mouth would just double in size so that <laughs> she could just, like like a basking shark, just walk through the house with an open mouth, <laughs> sucking everything in. Have you Have you seen that video that some guy made where it's like all these different clips of cows, and he puts his mouth on their mouth? So it's like this giant human mouth, and it's just going, moo, 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 like really is loud. It, is it Markiplier? It might be. I don't know. But it's like this big human mouth saying moo. That sounds like a hilarious. Markiplier video. He does. He did that with dogs and cats, too, and it's hysterical. It's so funny because <laughs> it's so giant. Mm-hmm. And he just has all the cows walking around going, moo, moo, moo. <laughs> I have to look that up. <laughs> it's hilarious. Who goes first this week? I don't know. We went together last week. Mm-hmm. We did the Whaley House together. And before that was Begone Satan, right? Yeah, you went first last time. So I went first last time? Okay, so it's your turn to go first. Oh, okay. Are we ready to get ghosty? Yeah. All let's right. Let's get ghosty. All right. Buckle up, kitties and puppies. We're going to get gonna scary. We're going to get ghosty. So... I'm covering something that everybody asks about in Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania has a ridiculously dark history. You know, for the Commonwealth state, the state of the Amish and of, of you know, brotherly love, because we have Philadelphia, there's a whole lot of messed up crap here. <laughs> like, not, and I'm not talking like, oh, someone was murdered. I'm talking like mass abuse of human beings that was put out there by the government. Like, I think we need to talk about this, Pennsylvania. Let's talk about this. Um, So today, my story is on Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. Between this and Pennhurst, it makes me never want to enter the state of Pennsylvania ever again. The sad part is, is that Eastern State and Pennhurst are two of the more mild stories. There and see, awful. I've 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 read about Eastern State Penitentiary, and it's freaking scary, man. It is, it is. Um, it's I mean, even just the history of Eastern State, because a lot of people don't understand what the history of of it was. They just go, "Oh, it's a prison." Um, but it, it and it was a prison. But it wasn't like the prisons that we have today. <laughs> this place was like, it, it was bad. It was really bad. So the whole, the whole prison was opened um, October 25th of 1829. So it's, it's, had, it's, it's been around a few times. Mm-hmm. And it was opened as part of a statewide prison reform. They wanted to have a better like more safe and secure place for prisoners to be where they weren't getting, I guess, murdered by other inmates or something. So that, that makes this whole thing pretty funny, actually, that that's what the, the grounds of this was. Um, and it was opened under the belief that labor plus solitude plus discipline would equal penitence, which is where that, the name came from. Mm-hmm. And I find it very funny that that's really where that word kind of originated, by the way. Like, you don't find that word very often throughout history. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that someone uses it in Indiana Jones. John's been quoting it, like, repeatedly. But uh, <laughs> I had to, like, I looked it up because I was like, does this mean what I think it means? And it really just means repentant and feeling sorrow and regret. So this is a prison that's supposed to work you alone into feeling remorse. Unfortunately, they went a little bit overboard with this whole, like, hey, let's let people be by themselves in order to feel, you know, regret about their horrible wrongdoings. Sit there and think about what you've done. Oh, yes. This is like time out on crack. Like, really, really bad. Really, really bad. So the whole building is beautiful. It's actually built to look like a church because they wanted people, they, they wanted the inmates to feel like they were in a holy place so that they could pray and, you know, repent and whatnot. Um, but <laughs> 
It also was um, made to have kind of a gothic style to it. Like there were, you know, statues of like gargoyle type things outside. And it's got very, you know, high arches and it's all very, very like domineering. And it was literally built to make people afraid. They didn't want people to come near it. Um, the way that it worked is that they had these rooms, the cells, that were very small. They had a bed and like a toilet, <laughs> like just an area to use the bathroom. And I don't even think the original ones had that. I think it was just a bed. Um, no windows. The door had no windows. The door is a heavy iron door. Um, there's one little hole in the ceiling over the bed that they called the eye of God. So that when the inmates were in their rooms, they would know that they were always being watched. Aside from that window, that little hole in the ceiling, they got no contact with anybody else because those rooms were soundproofed rooms. They were not allowed to talk to other inmates. They were not allowed to talk to guards. They weren't allowed to have visitors. They weren't allowed to get letters. They weren't even allowed to read newspapers, which... Oh, my God. Right. They were cut off completely from the outside world. Um, and it was designed to be that way. They thought that the solitude and labor and everything would make them better people. But that cell, that little tiny cell with no lights <laughs> and with no windows and a heavy door. That's where they lived. They literally ate there. They slept there. They did their work there. And they were given those things through a hole in the bottom of the door. They called it a feeding hole, which is, I mean, that sounds like something that you would have for like pigs. <laughs> yeah. You just slide the food in. Yep. So all those things in the movies, it's just <clears throat> like those, those random movies where you're like, that doesn't happen. It did. It actually did happen. So the cells were completely silent, um, but they realized that these people, like, they needed a little bit of that sunshine. They needed some sunshine. So for one hour a day, they were allowed to go outside. And there were, like, there was, like, a schedule where you would go out, like, a couple at a time into different, like, sectioned-off yards is what they called them. But they didn't want people talking to each other and they didn't want the prisoners to know the layout of the land. Mm -hmm. So they had to wear hoods over their heads to go outside. And I'm not like, not like a hoodie hood either. It's like a, it's like a sack over your head with a tiny little hole. So you can see right in front of you. And that was Good how God. Yes. That was how they went outside. Now, that's bad enough. Um, Charles Dickens, like the Charles Dickens, actually stopped by this uh, prison. And he wrote like a little expose story on it and said that it was psychological torture and that it was like being buried alive. And that's just the surface of it. Because the guards, despite the fact that they were <laughs> not supposed to talk to the inmates, they weren't supposed to have any communication with them. Aside from, like, here's food, shove through door, you know? Yeah. Um, the guards <clears throat> were prone to, and this is literally what I w wrote, they were prone to abusement. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad we had to make up a new word for we it. We had to make up a new word for it. <laughs> no, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote, I was just writing so fast that I wrote <laughs> abusement, but it's probably the most accurate term because I'm pretty sure that the guards were, like, sadists. And they were abusing people for amusement. Abusement. There you go. There's your made-up word for the week, guys. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the word abusement. abusement. Yes. Abusement. So the guards were really abusive. Whenever they did have the prisoners out, there would be a lot of, like, the, the normal kind of abuse that you would think of. Like, you know, hitting, kicking, that sort of thing. Things that we expect to hear. But there were also... Other things, one of the more um, harsh punishments that they liked to dole out was in the middle of winter, they would dunk prisoners in water while in, like, underclothes. And then afterwards, hang them on an outside wall until ice covered their body. Oh, my God. So they didn't play. They were like, oh, you sneezed too loudly. Like, and that's... That's crazy. Like, that's a horrible right. punishment. And I want to know, 
who approved that? Because somebody was sitting there like, yes, yes, the bad prisoners, let's freeze them. Like, who came up with that idea? That's nothing, though. Like, when you consider that they also had something called the mad chair, which was like a timeout chair, you know, for demons, I guess. I don't know. The mad chair was a chair that it looks like a dental chair. It's still there. Like, you can go see it. Um, But it looks like a... Yeah. I don't want to see it. Yeah, go see it. You should go see it. You should see the pictures of it. Look up the mad chair. It's terrifying. Um, we'll put some pictures in social media, I'm sure, because it's like the grossest thing ever. It looks like a dental exam chair for all of you dentist phobes. But um, it had you bound to the chair so tightly that it would cut off circulation. And in fact, most of the amputations done in the prison were because of the mad chair. Wow. It was a real nice place to live. Now, if that's not bad enough, at some point, the evil doctor behind all of this said, let's introduce the iron gag for those that will not be silent. Because you're supposed to be quiet. You're not supposed to talk in the eastern state. So they made something called an iron gag, and it is literally what it sounds like. It is a gag that is wrapped around your face, that is made of iron, that is designed to cut and rip your tongue and mouth. And the worst part of it is, is that in order for it to work, they had to bind the prisoner's hands behind their head attached to the iron gag. So if the prisoner fought, it would tear them up. Um, This was such a violent, like horrible device that there is even a recorded death from the gag from just the gag. So, bad stuff. Bad, bad stuff. Um, A lot of people, you know, just going crazy from the solitary confinement, from the iron gag, the hangings, the bad stuff going on. Um, But by 1866, solitary confinement was, it started to phase out. They started to do away with that in Pennsylvania because they realized, like, oh, maybe it's not a good idea to, like, not let human people talk to one another. So they ended that, and Eastern State became a almost normal prison. But here's the thing. When they first opened Eastern State, Eastern State was supposed to hold right around 250 people. That's it. And it was pretty maxed out. Um, But after they phased out the solitary confinement, Eastern State became overcrowded and had over 1,700 inmates. What? Yeah, 1,700 inmates, which meant that because it was only built to hold like 250 or so people, um, they had to double up on rooms, meaning like there were three to four inmates in one cell. And these cells are only like 10 by 10 with one little bed. Like they didn't add additional cots or anything. They were just like, eh, figure it out. Figure it out. So all of this overcrowding, this random introduction of lots of stimulation, because these people have been in solitary confinement for a really long time. It led to people going a little crazy. And the prisoners... You think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. They just need to, like... I can't imagine. They need to to toughen up a little bit. Um, In 1933, the inmates decided that they had had enough, and they started rioting. And they rioted against the overcrowding by setting fires through a couple of the cell blocks. And a lot of people... A lot of people died. A lot of people died. Um... This is when things start to, like, they start to go, oh, this is not a good thing. And they start to, like, I guess hide more of what they're doing because a lot of the records don't show much of what happens after this. Um, There are a few records, but it's not like this person died because of the iron gag. Like, things started getting a little less documented. Um, But one of the things that they did find in the prison is the death ledger. And there were over 1,000 deaths in the prison um, due to suicide, murder, and tuberculosis, which I don't think is too shocking given the time of uh, the time period and that this place wasn't exactly clean, especially the punishment cells. Because it wasn't punishment enough 
to be in an overcrowded building with tiny itty bitty rooms and no sunlight and hoods to go outside. That wasn't, and the iron gag, it doesn't, none of that cuts it. They had to have a punishment cell. And the punishment cells were called the holes. So if you were an unruly inmate, you were, you know, talking back, you were getting in fights and stuff, they would bring you to the hole. And the hole was an eight by four room, very small room with no windows, no lights, poorly ventilated, completely sealed off with high heat. They would crank the heat up in there so that the prisoners would just sweat out and they would only be fed once a day a piece of bread and a glass of water and they would be left there for weeks. Mm-hmm. Weeks. So um, a lot of the time people would go there and end up, you know, either getting very, very sick or going completely crazy and killing themselves. Um, not a good place at all. Um and it just kind of continued on like that until it was eventually closed. Like, lots of violence. Um, there were some big people that ended up there. Al Capone spent nine months there um, because of the Valentine's Day Massacre. Or Valentine's Massacre? I didn't write it down. It doesn't matter. He was there. Um, interestingly enough, his cell, because he was a, you know, he was a big guy. You know, he was, he, was top, he was top dog. His cell was a bigger cell, and it had a like mahogany writing desk and a nice mattress and a radio and a lamp. And it was just a, just a right jolly old place to be. Um, but what I find very interesting is that even Al Capone during his time there, because Eastern state had been open for a while, a lot of bad things had already happened there. He had his own ghosts in the prison um, to the point that they would hear him screaming in his cell for someone named Jimmy to leave. Jimmy, they believe, is one of the people that he um, that he had masterminded a murder for with the Valentine's Massacre. And they think that he thought that the ghost there was Jimmy, who was another, like, mafia boss. Um, but it was so bad, the haunting in his cell was so bad while he was there that he even paid a medium to come in and try to get rid of it. Wow. So the the activity started a long time ago. Nowadays, Eastern State is, it's a historical building. They do a ghost attraction. You can go tour it and everything. It's terrifying. Even now, you can go see most of the building. Like, there aren't a whole lot of places that are blocked off from visitors. And it's just as terrifying as it was back in its prime. Um, but a lot of people don't like being there just because it first of all gives off it gives off a spooky vibe you go in and you're like oh well it's creepy looking even from the outside it, yeah and it was meant to be creepy looking from the outside yeah and, and then you add in the years of wear and tear from the weather and all that stuff and it's extra creepy looking yeah it's super creepy looking i'm not a huge fan of it but i do think <laughs> i'm gonna go out I, I i talked my mom into it i was like let's go take some pictures we could do that when I come. There we go. We'll go take some pictures. We'll go do some creepy stuff. There we go. <laughs> um, so some of the paranormal things that happen, because there are a lot. This is a, this is a place where it, it's going to be like Penhurst, where you're going to go in and you're going to experience something. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people go in and they will write off things that they hear or see as like, their eyes playing tricks on them or, um, you know, other people in the building or whatever people that have like evidence thrown at them, they go, mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, Skeptics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, one of the best stories is of a locksmith whose name I found two different names for, so I'm just going to call him the locksmith. Um, A locksmith came to do restoration work on one of the cell doors because they were turning it into that, like, historic mark. Um, And he was trying to remove one one of the locks on the doors because they couldn't get the door open. I mean, this door is ridiculously old. The lock itself was 140 years old. Um, Very, very heavy. So he's working to get it open. He finally gets it open, and he says... He feels a massive force come over him, and he couldn't move. He was, like, physically restrained. He said that he felt like something was holding him in place. And when he looked into the room, he saw, and I'm quoting him, 
hundreds of distorted forms and anguished faces beckoning him into the room. Hell to the no. That was about his reaction, too. <laughs> He's like, peace out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm leaving. Um, he maintains the story. He's told the story to a lot of different outlets. He's told the story to the people that are working at Eastern State now. Um, and he says it is like he still has nightmares to this day of that experience. So they believe... They had a medium come in and talk about this particular cell block and that that door and what was going on. And she believes that there was a lot of act like a lot of death and a lot of abuse and just negativity that was in that room. And that when he unlocked that door, it pretty much let everything out. Hmm. Again, this is a medium. I don't know. You know, I've right. not I've not been there to to see that. Um but that is something that is seen a lot, apparently. If you go in there, you'll see faces in the walls. Like, mm. which Mm-mm. feels like, feels like, like poltergeist or something. Like, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, very. That, that, that mm There are yeah. a lot of things that I'll, I'll handle, but faces coming out of walls, like, no. A lot of residual negative energy no, hanging around that I place. Just That's just, I just, mm-mm. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, so there was a worker that she, she loves, uh, loves to tell this story, but luckily it's not anything like too terrible. Um, she didn't quit her job like the locksmith did. The locksmith <laughs> was like, no, I'm out. Um, <laughs> Workers going around making sure that no one is still there for tours, and she's closed all the doors in cell block 12. Just to make, you know, that's just, like, what they do to end the day. She closes all the doors. She leaves the room for a second. She comes back to turn the light off, and all the doors are open. (laughs) Every single one of them. And she says that this is a frequent occurrence. Like, they'll close the doors in cell block 12, and the doors will reopen. And the belief is is that there's a man there that is... um, He's a bit of a jokester. He's a prankster. Um, to the point, like, that people think he's, like, one of the more insane of the people that, mm-hmm. or of the spirits that reside there. Because there are stories from multiple people of touring the facility. And as they're walking through cell block 12, they'll hear footsteps, like, right behind them. Like, like someone is walking with them. Yeah. And then they'll look and there will be no one there. And then they'll walk again and they'll hear the footsteps again and they'll look and no one's there and they're like, what's going on? And eventually they will get spooked and will very hurriedly leaving, like they'll leave cell, cell block 12. And as they leave, they'll hear what they call an insane cackling coming from the cell block. Oh my God, that gives me chills. <laughs> right? Right? So this guy, he seems a little bit like uh, a prankster, a jokester. Um In cell block six, people tend to feel very afraid. And they go in and they don't know why they feel afraid, but they get cold. And then they'll see a black shadow slink. That's the the word. And it was so funny seeing so many people use the same word. People that don't know each other, people in forums, this shadow slinks down the wall at them. And then they're like, no, I'm gone. I'm leaving. So that happens in cell block (laughs) six. Um, Yeah, (laughs) this is creepy. Cell block six is also often filled with um, with full formed apparitions that are just wandering. Like you can see that it is a person wandering, and there are lots. If you go on YouTube and you look it up, you look up Eastern State, you can see people are like, "What's that? What's that?" It's just like cell phone videos, and you'll see like like shadowy outlines. Oh my god! People walking. Or people running. That's the other thing. Um, During the riots, there was a lot of people trying to get away, especially when they set the building on fire. Um, But they said that they've heard voices in that cell block going, run, run, and they'll see a figure running at them, and then it'll just disappear, which is (sighs) really creepy, I think. Um, (laughs) I think this part creeps me out the most, is if you're sitting there, you can be in there by yourself, you're sitting no, there. I can't. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you will hear whispering all around you. Not like quiet whispers, like loud whispers all around oh. you. No. And that terrifies me because off topic, this is something I've experienced in a place before. 
and it was the single like the single most terrifying moment of my whole life to the point that I left by I climbed out a window. Oh my god. I was so scared. And it wasn't just me in the house, it was like other people that were there and the other people that were there were doing things that they should not have been doing, which is why things that's why I moved out of that place. Um but the whispers through the hallway is just like bad. And apparently it was so bad that I went to write echoing through the halls and I went echoing through the hell. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yes. <laughs> that it echoes through hell. Um, you can hear sobbing from closed cells. Just people crying. Oh, because they're so sad. It's very sad. These are like very broken, broken people. Um, but my personal favorite... Aside from, I mean, you've got, like, full figures that are caught on camera, mm-hmm. um, all of that. My personal favorite are the EVPs. The EVPs oh are pretty God. pretty cool. Because the EVPs are very clearly, like, get out. Yeah. Why are you here? Like, stuff like that. Um, and then I happened to do, and I'm going to tell you guys where I got this. Um, I happened to watch BuzzFeed's Unsolved. <laughs> because it's so good. It's so good. And if there's anybody who can debunk a place, it's it's BuzzFeed because they've got it's the Shane. two. Shane yep. and Ryan. Ryan is very superstitious and very much a believer in ghosts and spirits. And Shane is like, nope. He's like, come at me, bro. Yeah. There's there's one. I'm going to interrupt you for mm-hmm. a second because Marley and I were watching one recently. And it's so funny because he walks in. Like, when they do these investigations, there's always one part of the place they're investigating where they take turns going in by themselves just mm-hmm. to see what will happen. And so, of course, Ryan goes in and he's terrified the whole time. But he's then like, Shane oh, yeah. goes in. Oh, Shane goes in and he's like, whatever. But he, it was so funny because he walked into one place. I can't even remember where they were. But he walked into one place and he's like, what's up, demons? It's your boy. <laughs> he does that a lot. It was so fun. He does that a lot. It's and he, your boy. It's your boy. Yeah. He does that a lot. And it's very funny because he does, like, a lot of the time, Ryan will be there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's just like, yeah, okay, let's do this. And have you noticed, too, on the EVP stuff, Ryan picks stuff up mm-hmm. and Shane does not. Mm-hmm. Which well, I think is really funny because Ryan is sensitive this. to it. Like Ryan is open to accepting it and Shane is not. There is a theory about this. And I've actually just from looking at comments on videos and then doing research on what people are saying. There's a theory that if you if you don't believe in it or you're not giving it the time of day, you don't have the like physical energetic ability to pick mm-hmm. things up. You don't like you can't be used as like like a conductor. Um, right. So Shane is very, like in this episode, he said he's ghost proof. He pretty much is because he doesn't believe, um, except in this episode. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it. You have to watch it. So they take turns going in by themselves to a lot of different rooms, not just one. They go by themselves into the cells. I feel sorry for Ryan. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. He lo- He's so scared. <laughs> he looked so scared. And they do this stuff all wrong. Like, I don't... This is a total side note. I'm pretty sure that going into a room with an EVP being like, uh, is there a so-and-so here? Why did you kill so-and-so? That's not nice. If you're a running ghost, run to me. Or just yeah. walk. Just walk. And, I'm and like, they, that's not how they you... talk. They talk constantly, constantly, too, which drives me nuts. Not even just them, but like on Ghost Adventures and everything. I'm like, will you guys just shut up? Just be quiet and listen. Just like, listen. Right. I can't hear. And then they try to play those replays back. And all I and can they're hear always is talking they're like, over it. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm like, shut can, up. We just, can we just not talk? Right. Thank you. Sorry, that was total tangent. Go no, ahead. it's true, though. They do that through all of them. So they have them go one one at a time into the rooms. And it's so funny because they're in the they're in the hole, the punishment cell. And mm-hmm. they're like, we have to go in the rooms. And Ryan, bless his little heart, he's like sweating. He's like, okay, there is the other option. And Shane's like, I don't really think there is another option we have to go in. He's like, what if we go in by ourselves? And he's terrified. And he's like, I can't believe it. And Shane's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. Like, he's just so cool about it. But they go in, you know, they go in all these rooms by themselves and everything. And they end up picking up, they bring a spirit box. They've, they've Mm -hmm. procured a spirit box. They've brought it in and they're picking things up to the point that even Shane's like, what did it say? (laughs) (laughs) And they start to hear footsteps and sounds 
through the building to the point that it's not just Ryan reacting. Shane is jumping and looking in directions for really? with a flashlight. Yeah. Looking to see just so he could connect the sound to something else. And uh-huh. he kept he was like, It's probably a raccoon. It's probably a raccoon. Like there aren't no. raccoons in Eastern State. <laughs> There's not. <laughs> so um yeah, they, they do all that. But they go into Al Capone's cell. Which I find very strange because Al Capone, I don't believe, died in that cell. <laughs> <laughs> but they they used the spirit box thing and they had a conversation with someone because it wasn't just like raw it was like actual words, you know? Yeah. And he asks the the spirit he's like, My name is Ryan, can you say my name? And clear as day, it says Ryan. He asks him if he likes it that they're calling him Scarface. And it says no, that he doesn't like that. At some point, they are still feeling skeptical and they go, what color, what color are our jackets? And they're both wearing very similarly colored jackets. And clearly through the box, it says white and brown, which is what they were wearing. So they're like, Ryan's like, oh, no. (laughs) And Shane was like, didn't say that. It said, why, brah? <laughs> the best part, though, is that this particular spirit sassed them. Sassed really? them. And went, look at these two. And, like, laughed. <laughs> and they're asking question. They're, like, rapid fire asking question after yeah. question. And it finally stops. And when it stops, the last thing that the spirit says is, are we through? And that's it. <laughs> They do the same thing in another room, and the voice that comes through on the spirit box, and, and we've talked about what the spirit box does, it, it right. goes through, like, stations very rapidly, so it's... if There's, there's no chance for it to pick up an actual right. sound. Right. Except static. Yeah. Right. Um, so they go into another room, and they, they do the spirit box, and apparently the ghosts are just annoyed. They're, like, tired of people coming in and bothering them, because mm-hmm. the spirit box says, oh, boy, get out. <laughs> And that's the sort of stuff that people pick up. And it's not just them that get, they they get, like, people get told to leave, you know, when they go in there. Paranormal teams, all of them will get told, like, get out, just go. You don't need to be here. We just have some privacy. Like, if we're stuck here. Well, listen, spirits of Eastern Penn, you do not have to worry about me coming in and bothering you. I promise you, I will not come in and bother you. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to come in and take some pictures. I'm not going to talk to you. All right. I don't want to talk to you. I don't know I'm that I even want to... pictures now. I don't know See, that I want proof. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to go during. They they do this thing at Halloween time where they turn it. No. They turn it into an amusement. <laughs> yeah. They've got people like dressed up in cells and they'll like grab you and drag you in and all that. Um, at least well, this is what you. I've heard. I've never gone. Um, yeah. I would love to go during. A, a bright, sunny a day. bright, blue-skied, sunny, sunny day. day. I mean, not that it'll matter people. because there are no windows. Um, oh, shit. That's right. But <laughs> I will bring a floodlight. <laughs> yeah, I'll hold the floodlight. You can take pictures. And then and we will take... run screaming out of the building. That's right. Like, that's all I want to do. And, I, and they've restored Al Capone's room to look exactly the way it did when he was there. And I would be very interested to see oh, his God. mahogany writing desk. Yeah. So, his that's Eastern mini leather-bound books. Yes. <laughs> Smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> that's terrifying. A little, um, bit. A little bit. So, I, I was looking up the mad chair while you were talking about it, and I came across pictures of that, and it's very creepy. But I also found an interesting story uh-huh. about the most infamous innocent inmate Oh, no. In Eastern State Pen. Okay. It was a dog. What? Named Pep. He was definitely he was, innocent. He was sentenced to a life for a murder he didn't commit. <laughs> the dog? Yeah, the dog. He was uh, guilty of murder of a cat. <laughs> he was the governor's cat, or the governor's pet, and he killed his wife's cat. And so he was sentenced to murder. And put in Eastern State Pen. There's a picture what? of him with his That's number. That's ridiculous. 
There's Pep with his inmate picture. Oh, bless. He was, yeah. So, um, life without parole. What? (laughs) Yep. He was the cat murdering dog. But it's funny because he was like the first on record therapy dog for prisoners. Because he was so sweet and the pet, the like prisoners loved him. And so, um, like, there was news articles printed about him. Um, It says, he was a black lab, which I mm-hmm. love because I have two black labs, so this makes me right. happy. He was sent to the Slammer on August 12, 1924 for killing then-Governor Gifford Pinchot's wife's beloved kitty cat. <laughs> there was no trial or jury. The governor simply sent him down the river and placed him in the custody of his good buddy, Herbert Hardboiled Smith, the warden of Eastern State Pen. Um, <laughs> Pep was simply sent to the prison to be a mascot and buddy to the other inmates. So... um Apparently, the governor's family used to breed labs, Mm -hmm. and he was a model family pet for the first several months, and then he decided to start his life of crime by tearing up patio furniture. Oh, God. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's a slippery slope from patio furniture cats. This article is hilarious, the way that it's written, because it says, you see, Pep had a taste for the dark side. (laughs) It's just so funny. Um, so anyway, he sent him to Eastern State Pen, and it said, of course, he was welcomed and beloved by the inmates and became such a hit, he began traveling between Eastern State and nearby Greatford Prison. He finally passed away about 10 years after his initial incarceration and was buried on Eastern State grounds. Aww. Prison experts point to the sofa cushion eating Pep as one of the animals who paved the way for future prison therapy dogs. Aww. Isn't that cool? That is cool. <laughs> that reminds me. That reminds me of a story. Have you heard about the the prison that will let that that lets our inmates um, adopt shelter cats? No, they are. That's allowed, awesome. Yeah, and they were people were pitching a fit about this because they have cats in their cells. Like they're allowed to be in the cells. They've got litter mm-hmm. pans and stuff in there, and the inmates take care of them and love them. And I mean, some of these inmates are like, you know, violent criminals. Right. And people were like, oh my god. No, you can't let them have cats. And the uh, prison representatives came out and they were like, listen, um, no one has ever hurt their own cat. Yeah. And we did have a murder because someone hurt another person's cat. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So these people love their cats. They take very good care of them. It solves two problems because it offers therapy to the prisoners, but there's also such a huge overpopulation problem with cats that they can do something about it. They can sterilize these cats, Mm -hmm. you know, and then put them in the prison system and it helps with the cat population. There's also, there's a really big, I think there's several of them now, but there's a really big charity now too that is um, a pit bull rehab Mm-hmm. through the prison i can't remember what it's called but there was actually a show about it on tlc for a while but they bring in these pit bulls that have been in the fighting circles yeah. and they each prisoner like they interview the prisoners and they pick a like a role model trainer slash guy for right. one of the pit bulls and they keep that pit bull with them at all times and they train them and they rehab them and then the pit bulls get adopted out to families wow but the prisoners do all of the training. That's amazing. It's very cool. That is very yeah, cool. It's very cool. Because, you know, pit bulls have such a reputation about being fighting dogs. And they're this, I mean, if you've ever been around a pit, they yeah. are teddy bears. Oh, they're yeah. the sweetest dogs in the world. Yeah, we've but, had yeah, pits so they, before. But, yeah, so they pull these pits out of, like, the ones that are rescued from fighting rings. And then they put them in the prisons and That's they're rehabbed. So and I love That's it. That's so good. I love that. Because pits do get a bad, they, they, get, they have a bad rap. And I get that they're really strong. But it's, you know, it's not their fault that people, I mean, you could, you could train any kind of dog to be yeah. violent and vicious. And back in, back in the day, Pipples were considered the nanny dog. People loved yeah. them. So that's nice to hear that they're, that they're getting some, uh, some yeah. additional love. That makes me yeah. happy. Because we've know, had pits it. before. And I'm telling you. I just think you. it's a really great way for the prisoners to have a purpose. Yeah. Besides just serving their time. Like, give them something yeah. constructive to do that they can be proud of. And yeah. that was the thing when they interviewed a lot of these prisoners. They were like, we're really proud of the work that we're doing. Like, we're we're serving the greater good by rehabbing these dogs. Because otherwise, the dogs would be put down. 
Yeah. And they're really great dogs already. They're just, yeah. they have to have that part of them trained out, oh, I love you know? That. And so it's really good for the prisoners. I, I mean, they're learning how that. to be responsible and they're learning how to take care of something, you know? And I think a lot of the time when these prisoners, a lot of the prisoners who have this like life of crime or whatever, it's right. because of their childhood. Oh, they for just sure. didn't have a very good upbringing. So that's pretty sure. cool. All right. Are we ready for number two? Ready. Okay. <laughs> this one, I went back to my hometown of Savannah for this story. Um, this is the story of the Marshall House in Savannah. Supposedly the most haunted, or one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in... The 1840s and 50s, Savannah doubled in size and population due to the railroad. And there was a real need for accommodations and housing for all these people who were coming into the city. So there was this woman named Mary Marshall. Um, She had inherited a lot of money Mm -hmm. from her dad. And she was also a really savvy businesswoman. Go Mary. Go Mary. Um, So she started developing properties all over the city. And one of the most notable was the Marshall House Hotel that was built in 1851. Um, And it still operates as a hotel today. The Marshall Marshall family and her estate continued to lease and collect rents from the Marshall House until 1914. Um, And Mary passed away in 1877. So she's a good, she was a good business lady. Yeah. She set up a profitable hotel that still, still operates as a hotel today. Um, But there's a history there, obviously. And we talked about, when I talked about one of the stories, the very first episode we did, I actually talked about the Sorrel Weed House in Savannah. And there's a lot of Civil War and Revolutionary War history in Savannah. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everything in downtown Savannah, you can just assume is buried on, like, open graves wow (laughs) no so yeah i mean that's just you know that's the only property there was so that's where they built stuff so there's that history um it says that the hotel served as a hospital during the yellow fever epidemics of 1854 and 1876 yeah it also served as a union hospital during the final months of the civil war and it was residence to Joel Chaniel, Chandler Harris, who was the author of the Uncle Remus stories. Oh. Did you ever read those stories? No, but I like know them. Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, all that stuff. Oh, Br'er Rabbit, yes. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So those are Uncle Remus stories. And so the guy who wrote them lived in the Marshall House for a while. Wow. So um, <clears throat> in 1957, they actually closed the hotel for structural reasons. Um, the second, third, and fourth floors were abandoned, but they kept the ground floor open for shopkeepers mm-hmm. on Broughton Street um, until 1998. And then in 1999, they shut down the entire building so that they could do a huge restoration project and bring it back as an actual hotel. Wow. Um, so they restored as much as they could. The, most of the staircases and floors and fireplaces and brick walls are all original to the building. Um, the facade on the exterior is, is very notable. It looks, the hotel itself, if you picture like New Orleans with the railings on every floor and the ivy growing through, that's what the Marshall right. House looks like. It's that kind oh. of a structure. Um, oh, it's probably beautiful. I'm gonna have to. Look it at is. It. it is beautiful. It's on Broughton Street, and you walk past it for pretty much everything. Um, it's the Philadelphia pressed brick, so it's it's very like common from that time period. Right. Um, when they were doing the restoration, there were a lot of artifacts that were found that are now displayed in the cabinets on the second and third floors. Um, Daisy, you're killing me with the walking around. <laughs> um. This is kind of creepy. Some of the workers that were replacing damaged floorboards, they found human remains under the floorboards. What? Um, It was discovered that the downstairs once served as the hospital's surgery room during the union, Mm -hmm. you know, when when it was a union hospital. Right. And they found bones that they believed to be amputated limbs of Civil War soldiers. Yeah, that makes sense. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, they so, didn't take their biohazards very seriously back then, huh? No, they just kind of threw like, them on the floor. Eh, just throw it out there. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I know. 
Could you imagine know. working in a place like that and just be like, just, just step cut over off that pile of legs? Yeah. It's fine. Bring them their oatmeal. It's fine. Um, so it's been very heavily awarded. It was voted Best of Savannah three different years. Coastal Living voted it in the top 20 places to stay in 2006. It's also possibly one of the most haunted places in Savannah. Um, it was named one of 11 of the South's most haunted places by Southern Living in 2016 and the eighth most haunted hotel in the world by USA Today. Oh, is that all? Is that all? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's get down and dirty with some of the hauntings. Um, Some of the most commonly reported hauntings are um, in the individual hotel rooms. People Mm -hmm. will will report that the faucets turn on and off by themselves. That's water wastage. Ghosties. Come on. Ghosties. Come on. Think of the environment. That's right. Um, Lights will flicker. Electronics will lose all power. Toilets will overflow. And they commonly hear disembodied voices echoing through the halls. Listen, I think I can, I think I can solve this mystery. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's children. That they're just kids hanging out. <laughs> we're we're going to get to the children. There's no! actually a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I meant real living children. It sounds like my house. Nope. There are no. ghosty children in this place. Um, the fourth floor, the rooms, so the second floor is rooms numbered in the hundreds. Third floor is in the 200s, you know, so it's 100 behind, whatever. Anyway, fourth floor, rooms numbered in the 300s seems to be really active. Um, heavy objects will crash in the hallway in the early morning hours. Like, people hear what sounds like a chair or even a sofa being thrown, but nothing's out of place. They just hear these big, loud crashes. What if that's really what it was? Someone was in there, like, I'm going to throw this sofa. Throwing a chair? <laughs> throwing a sofa? A yeah. Sofa. A whole sofa. <laughs> it's that guy in the commercials. I, I pick things up and I put them down. <laughs> um, apparently, they have, like, ghosty cats because the doorknobs wiggle. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, but like a lot of people on the on the fourth floor will report that they wake up because it sounds like somebody's like vigorously jiggling the door handle trying to get in. Um, specifically, room three hundred six, which Aaron, I think we should go stay there. <gasps> How about no? room room three hundred six has a lot of reports. Um, so the the this is an actual account from a guest who stayed in room three hundred six. The loud hall noises in the middle of the night happen on the fourth floor where we just happened to be staying. I've lived in many haunted houses, but Marshall House creeped me out completely. I loved it there, but I could not rest. Yes, it's old and noisy, but there's way more going on there than meets the eye. I know others have experienced things, too. There is also a ghostly cat, but I've never seen it myself. (laughs) There happened to be another hotel guest who said she did. But what else can you really expect from a city built on top of dead bodies? I mean, (laughs) they have a point. Yeah. Um... So, okay, so there's a portrait of Mary Marshall in the lobby, mm-hmm. and one guest said that he and his young daughter came downstairs as they were leaving, and his young daughter pointed at the picture, and she goes, that's the lady I saw in the hallway. <gasps> and Mary Marshall's been dead since 1877. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> Um, a lot of guests will also report hearing an old-fashioned typewriter coming from the room where Joel Chandler Harris lived when he was there. Um, which he didn't die there, so I don't understand that, but people say they hear the typewriter. Okay. There are a lot of apparitions in this place. Um, a lot of people report seeing a dapper gentleman reading a book by a window um, a lady in white flows through the hallways. I don't know if that's Mary Marshall or just some other lady. There's This is kind of funny. It's what's-her-face from Harry Potter. A woman haunts the ladies' restroom and occasionally locks the <laughs> it's stall. It's moaning Myrtle. It's moaning Myrtle. She's in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she's in oh there and God. she locks the stall. Um, that would be scary, though. You're in there taking a pee. And some woman just shows up and locks you in. I'd be like, oh, my God. All of a sudden, that number one became a number two. It really did. Good thing you were sitting on the toilet. You didn't mess up your britches. Um, There are a lot of accounts of amputee soldiers walking around vacantly and aimlessly. One has even been seen holding his missing arm in his other hand. (laughs) 
What? He's holding his severed arm out. He's like, here, let me give you a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Badach. <laughs> now, they said that they think he's looking for the surgeon to put it back on. <laughs> oh. um, some people have even seen full apparitions of doctors treating soldiers. What? Yeah. Like operating. What? Um, some people feel a presence holding their wrist as if a nurse is taking their pulse. At least they're do- they're trying to take care of you, you know? Yeah. I mean... One guest saw a shadowy man dressed like a Civil War soldier who had a child with him. The child yelled, get out of my room! And so she did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you have to do. There's nothing else you can do aside from right. just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. There's also reports of a smell that comes from some of the rooms of oh. rotting flesh. <gasps> Again, with the biohazard stuff. Like. Yeah. So these are, it's kind of funny. I went, actually went on TripAdvisor and looked up this hotel. And there, these are actual TripAdvisor accounts. Okay. Okay. Like these are actual guests. When they were first renovating the hotel and opening it in 1999, three rooms had foul smells and bad vibes. So overpowering, the staff and workers could not stay in them long enough to get anything done. Rooms 214, 314, and 414. 414 being the worst, and I think it's still very active today. They tried every deodorizer they could get a hold of, and nothing worked. Finally, they had a prayer and blessing in those rooms, and the smell and vibes relented only with 414 still having a persistent, a persisting odor and vibes. Staff is said to play gospel music in that room when they're cleaning it because that is the only thing that keeps the vibes and odor at bay. <laughs> I mean... Isn't that weird, though, that it's like just this one section straight up and down the building i have this theory about swirling vortexes of pure evil um (laughs) (laughs) that needs to be a (laughs) t-shirt ask me about my theory about swirling vortexes of terror (laughs) maybe they could get like febreze and holy water the febreze like i mean maybe or, I don't know. You know, and for the, the people that are natural, you could get some holy water and put a little bit of, like, peppermint essential oil and some, I mean, young, young Just diffuse that shit. Yeah, diffuse all the it time. in there all the time. Frankincense and myrrh, that was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for that room. I mean, yeah. What I think is, like, you see in a lot of old abandoned hospitals mm-hmm. where they have especially from like civil war mm-hmm. where they'll they will have like the surgeon room but then they have one designated area for all of the dumpage you know the waste <laughs> and i like and i have i wonder if there were rooms like hospital rooms on the second third and fourth floors where they had like a tunnel almost that they would just throw down all of the waste, like a laundry and chute that, that, only for poops yeah, and kind body of. parts. Yeah, and I and so I wonder if where those rooms are because they're stacked. I wonder if that was the chute, and that that's why that smell still comes up. I don't know. Isn't that gross? So gross. Yeah. Um, okay, Ugh. so this is from another TripAdvisor guest. We were on the fourth floor. Just, you know, don't go stay on the fourth floor, people. Don't stay there. Something's going on on the fourth floor. Request second floor, but not 214. Just whatever. Okay, we were on the fourth floor. I never got much sleep while we were there. I always felt very uneasy and utterly creeped out at night in my guts and could not rest. (laughs) Did hear some strange noises in the hall late at night around 3 a.m. or so. What sounded like a hard rubber ball rolling along the hallway and bouncing. Also, what sounded like a marble rolling and bouncing. Also, a very loud crash in the hall, 3 a.m.-ish, almost like a body falling and hitting the floor, and no one was out there. What? We all... Mm-hmm. We also heard what sounded like walking around on the floor above us, but there's only the roof. Also, very unnerving feeling of being touched <gasps> while in bed at night, and Ew. I was completely awake. Oh, it gets worse. Touched on the inside of my lower leg and ankle and buttock area. <laughs> I mean, they're they're pinching heinies, folks. I mean, maybe he's got a good heinie. Maybe. This made me nearly jump out of bed more than once. On the last night we stayed there, we noticed a strange smell in the room and the bathroom that we could not find a source for. It was almost like a sweet, burned flesh smell combined with a slight sewery odor. Oh, no. 
No. So another TripAdvisor guest actually responded to that, responded to that review and said, you have perfectly described the very smell that was present during our stay. It wasn't there all the time, more so late at night, and sometimes we could smell it right outside our door in the hallways we came and went, but nowhere else in the hall. Our room was second floor courtyard view. We also noticed the very same smell in different locations around the district while touring and sightseeing. Oddly enough, just like in small pockets, such as right in the hallway, outside our door in the hotel, but nowhere else. We too heard the marble rolling sound, and Hubby swears he was awakened by what he said sounded like a child giggling in the sitting area. But when he turned on the light, nothing was there, and he just figured that perhaps he was just dreaming. We really enjoyed our stay, but there was an overall sense of spookiness, and it was as though we were waiting for something to happen or appear. No! (laughs) So, there are a lot of reports of children. Um, People hear laughter and playful voices. Children are often seen skipping and running through the hallway. Um, The sounds of marbles and rubber balls are heard at night. A guest named Christopher recalls, My fiancé and I stayed at the Marshall House for one night over the summer. At the time, we didn't know its history and just saw that it was a cool hotel for a pretty inexpensive price on Expedia. (laughs) Little did they know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That night, laying in bed and watching TV, we heard what we assumed were families out in the hall. It sounded a lot like children running around and people talking very loudly, which was odd for 12 a.m. However, when I looked, there wasn't anyone there. We heard the same sounds intermittently until we fell asleep. I wouldn't call the experience scary, just weird. I I mean, I feel like that's scary and weird. Both. It can be both, guys. It can Mm -hmm. be both. Um, And then, finally... This last story, um, there's an infamous story about a mom and her son who stayed at the Marshall House. The boy's mom was in the bathroom and her son, or in the bedroom, and her son was in the bathroom playing and talking to himself. That's not good. That's never good. I know. Her son came out of the bathroom crying and she said, what's wrong? And he said, the boy bit me. (gasps) And she said, what boy? And he said, the one I was playing with in the bathroom. No, no. So the boy's mom went into the bathroom. She didn't see anybody, but when she looked at her son's arm, she found that there was indeed a bite mark. No. Yeah. Um, she later found out that this was not the first case of strange bites at the Marshall House. There have been other guests who have been inflicted with a child-sized bite mark that was done with so much force that each time a bruise was left and each time the bite mark was on a spot of the body that would have been impossible to reach unless that person was a contortionist. So they didn't bite themselves. It was like on their shoulder or something, you know? What? So, yeah. People are getting bitten by children. (laughs) Ghosty children bites. Oh, no. So, um, you can visit and stay at the Marshall House no, in we Savannah. Can't. It's on Broughton Street. And you can even go for a complimentary history talk on Tuesdays, Sundays, and Thursday afternoons. I mean, it feels like not complimentary, though, when you're gonna, <laughs> you, you could potentially be bit. I feel like... Or smell rotting flesh. Yeah, like, I don't want to go for free. For, someone pay me and I'll go. It's a gorgeous hotel, though. It's absolutely well, beautiful. We'll stand across the street. <laughs> And take some pictures. So there you go. We could go stay at the Marshall House and then visit the Sorrel Weed House while we're there. Or we could do none of those things. <laughs> stay at a Holiday Inn Express. That's right. On the south side of Savannah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Do you want to hear terrible? One of my upcoming <laughs> stories is about, I think it's like a Best Western. <laughs> oh, my God. No place is safe, folks. No place, no place is, safe is safe at all. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's the story of the Marshall House Hotel in Savannah. <laughs> it's the children. <laughs> the children. The children are what? running around. The Between the, the child biting somebody and the dude walking around with his arm in his hand. I, like, that's, I've got so many jokes for that, though. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I probably would not have I'd those I'd pay jokes. an arm and a leg for this place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. 
I don't know if I'd be as witty, though, if I came face to face with a dude holding his own arm. Yeah, I'd give my right (laughs) arm for a decent shower. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can keep going. We can go on and on. We'll be here all week, folks. Yeah. (laughs) We have to laugh or we'd be terrified. Yep. Because it's scary. (laughs) Yep. Honest to God. That's why I had to watch that BuzzFeed video because I was so spooked by all the other videos I saw. I was like, let's let Shane debunk this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he couldn't. (laughs) But he couldn't. Oh, Ben, you're so pretty. He's a pretty boy. (laughs) He's like, yes, I know. He knows I'm upset. He knows I'm stressed. He's like, she's afraid. I have to go comfort her. Every time I get spooked, I'm not even kidding. Every time I do ghost research, he's on my lap because he's like, we will protect her. Well, you know what And it's say. funny because he's a black cat. He is. He's a black cat. He's not, he's like a ghost of a cat. Everyone that's ever met him says that because most cats, you know, trot around the house, but he like, he does like this panther walk all the time. Like he's constantly. He slinks. Yeah, he slinks <laughs> everywhere. Except when he's scratching to get out of the room. He's like, yeah. nope, she kissed me. <laughs> I have, Can't to have that. <laughs> so, um, we still we want you guys to email us your stories, girlsandghoulspodcast at gmail dot com, or you can go into the Girls and Ghouls Facebook group and leave your story there. Yeah, and um, we're working on some some Girls and Ghouls merch, like some cutie stickers and stuff. And so maybe yeah. if we use your story on a podcast, we'll send you something. Yeah, definitely. And if you listen to this episode, do me a favor screenshot your phone or whatever you're using to listen to and share it on Instagram and your stories and tag us and we will share it too. At girls and ghouls. At girls and ghouls. And let me just clarify because most people don't pay attention to this, but I have a feeling that it's kind of weird to spell. Ghouls is G-H-O-U-L-S. Just so you know. Like ghouls. I mean, ghouls. Yeah. It's like weird cheese. We're in <laughs> you know, you always see these cheese names and you think you know how to say it and then you find out. It's Some of them I, I don't even try. This is, and this is like what Gouda. I tell people. How do you say Gouda? Do you say Gouda? I say that cheese that starts with G. Because the proper Gouda. pronunciation is more like Chowda. Chowda. No. You gotta get phlegmy with it? You gotta have the phlegm in your throat. Yeah, Chowda. How the heck did they name this cheese? <laughs> That was funny. <laughs> Praise so, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, yeah, we're just done. We're done. <laughs> this is, this is the end. Girls and Ghouls on Instagram. We want to see you listening to us. So share it and we'll reshare it and give you a shout out. Yay for shout outs. Yay. And send your stories and we'll send you something fun. Yep. Spooky, but fun. Yay. <laughs> Yay. All right, guys. Stay spooky. See you next time. Bye.